Welcome to People's Church Podcast. You know, the Bible is nothing like any other book. That's what we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about how the Bible changes us. You know, there's lots of good books and there's lots of great books in the world, but this book is unlike any other. It has the power in it to change lives. And the reason it has power in it to change lives is because it is the word of God. The power of God's word is that God can create things and bring them back into existence. And that's enormous power. Jesus said these words, and they were more than just words. He said there were spirit and there were life. Jesus said this, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. What Jesus was saying is when I talk, I'm not just talking about words. Talking about spiritual power. Spiritual life. That power that can transform a society, it can transform history, it can transform people. It can do the impossible. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. Those words are talking about life. And this idea of being active is actually in the original language in which uh, the Bible was written, the New Testament written. It come, it's the word energy. That's where we get our word energy. The word of God is alive and it brings energy. Um, it's not just words. Now, you put a recipe out on the counter, you're going to cook something, right? And uh, it's just words, right? It tells you what to do. It gives you some direction. But it can't give you the energy and, and, and to, to actually get the stuff in the bowl, mix it up, and get it into the oven and to do it correctly. If you follow the recipe, you might. You might burn it at the end also. See, the word of God skillfully discerns our hearts. It says in the scripture, the Bible says this, it is sharper than any two-edged sword or double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Sharper than any surgeon's skilled scalpel. Try saying that. It's like, how much wood can a woodchuck chuck, right? A skilled scalpel. It has the ability to cut right to the heart of the issue. To point out what's wrong in my life. What needs to be corrected in my life. The fine works, it shows me the fine works that needs to be done in my life. And it's exactly what I need, what you need from the heart of God. So what do you need in your life? What do I need in my life? We need change, whoa. Watch that word, change, right? We don't like change, but we need change. The ch type of change that the Bible brings I imagine there's some things in your life that you don't like. Things that you don't want. There's things that you know that need changing. And maybe you've tried to change them. Maybe you've tried to change them on your own power. The Bible says that the word of God can change things that you cannot change on your own power. It says you can change these things. D.L. Moody, he was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon. You've heard Pastor Nelson talk about Charles Spurgeon up here uh, quite a bit at times. Well, 150 years ago, he pastored a church in Chicago. And this is, this is what he said about the Bible, one quote. The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, 
The Bible was given to change our minds. So how the Bible changes us, I want to give you seven specific ways that God wants to change your life. Uh, And really, they're part of the 40 days. In other words, this is what he's going to do over the next 40 days and continue to do and has already done. But the first way that the word of God changes me is it recreates my life. It recreates my life. When life is overcoming you, when you feel worn down, you need to be recreated. Isn't it interesting that scripture, and you might know it, his mercies are new every morning. Well, the sun comes up every morning, and that's a mercy, right? I mean, it just comes up. And uh, really, it doesn't come up, the world turns, right? But we're not going to discuss that here now. But... uh, it's, it's our, his mercies are new every morning, but his mercies are new every morning because it's his word that recreates our life. It's a great promise that I get to be changed today. Do you think about that this morning? I get to be changed today. Changed into different clothes today, but I get to be changed today by God's powerful word. I get to be renewed. I get to be recreated and maybe even in a tiny way or it might be even in a great, bigger way. Um, Bible says in James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Spiritual birth. Salvation comes through the word of truth. Without, think about this. Without the word of God, you couldn't be a believer You couldn't follow Christ. Uh, Without the word of God, you would not be headed to heaven. We wouldn't even know there was a heaven. Without the word of God, we wouldn't know how to trust him. We wouldn't know that God has a purpose for our life. See, we need to know the word in order to get to know God and his word. And God is not silent. God has chosen to reveal himself because he wants us to know him. God knows everything about us. He wants us to know him. You know, here's the thing, and I I think I really did it, and it's a long time ago, but as a young person, I think I really, what my thoughts, if I had any thoughts of God, and I guess I did because I did go to Sunday school, but as I got into my teen years, I guess I thought that God was just a God who was off somewhere else, checking out the universe and didn't give two hoots about my life. You ever thought that way? He wants us to know about him and know him. Maybe you've been hurt by someone and you've blamed God and you've kind of put that over or transferred that over onto your thoughts and your knowledge of him. And you say, well, he doesn't care. He's just off over there having a sandwich or something. (laughs) Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, From a child, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to to make you wise unto salvation. This book is about showing us the pathway to heaven. You know, we get all surrounded with, uh, with the stuff in our lives, the things we do, and yet, we have this book that shows us it has a path it shows us a pathway to heaven another thing the bible is often compared to a seed and this is why it is because once it takes root in your heart it begins to sprout and it begins to grow and it begins to bear fruit and then you get to see all the changes that are in your life and they're in your life you know what's really cool is uh, well I mean, every year we grow a garden, but this year it just seemed like the year for tomatoes. How many? 
You know, there's tomatoes coming out of our ears, it seems. Um, so I planted these tomatoes. I actually got the little ones from the greenhouse and uh, bought them. I didn't take them from your greenhouse. But, um, and I put, them, I put them in the ground there, right? I mean, some people just, you know, in April, they're putting the seeds in there. Uh, but anyway, I got these plants that were about this tall, and they grew, and they grew, and they grew. A seed, a little seed, one little seed. You know how many seeds tomatoes have? I know, because if you bite into one, where did the seeds end up? That happened to me. It happened to me when I was a kid, and it still happens to me when I'm a grandfather. Goodness gracious. Uh, 1 Peter 1.23 says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So on, on a bad day, when things aren't going right, remind yourself this. You have been born by, a, by an imperishable seed. Through this word, through the word of God. See, the word of God is not just words. Now, the book you're reading this month, uh, whatever that is, might be a science book, it might be whatever you're reading. You're reading something, a biography or whatever you're reading. It is not alive, but this is alive, the living and enduring word of God. And it says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Not only just save you, but can really make something of your life. Like those tomatoes that you grew this year, just like one seed in the ground, or, and now you're pulling those nice uh, tomatoes. Actually, this year, just get off track a bit, one little bit. I grew orange tomatoes, and I told our pastor, Soon Jong, I said, Sujong, don't wait too long for them to get red because they're not going to get red. They're orange tomatoes. They look like oranges. They taste like tomatoes. Uh, humbly accept the word of God planted in you which can save you. It's for you. The second thing the word of God can do in my life is eradicate my guilt. That's a big word. We don't use it all the time, very often maybe. But it means to remove or to destroy entirely. You don't have to have guilt in your life anymore. You don't have to go around, walking around in shame anymore. And a great people, deal of people have this. Um, it's from the past. Can't seem to get over it. People have hurt them. And they have resentment. Or you've hurt others and you have guilt. Do you know that God doesn't want you to go around life carrying a baggage of guilt and shame? That he wants you to be free from guilt and shame? And that the Bible was given so that you could be guilt-free? Because we give, we're kind of living in a world that's uh, just kind of a, it just drops guilt down onto us sometimes. And we're carrying it around. We're kind of like a bellhop carrying around the baggage. Living out of a suitcase. Is that what you want to do? That's what you're doing. You know, I can live out of a suitcase for a couple of weeks when you go on holidays, but don't live out of a suitcase all the time with guilt and baggage, the baggage of uh, shame. The Bible says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you more guilt. It does not say that. Some Christians preach it that way, but it doesn't say that. It says, become guilt-free through the power of my word. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
All that word confess means agree with God. If you will agree with God about your sin, about the things that you may messed up in, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In Romans 1.8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, what we do oftentimes is we throw ourselves under the bus when we mess up instead of coming and confessing and agreeing with God, okay, I messed up. Here it is, Lord, I give it to you. Forgive me. And you know, when we don't do that, you know, what happens? We create, it, we create a bus, another bus that just runs over top of us continuously. The guy in the bus is switching gears back to, to uh, uh, forward and reverse, forward and reverse, and we're just getting run over. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All our sins are immediately and forgiven when we and immediately forgiven when we confess them to God. First John two says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He pleads our cause before God. You know, I can see that. Can you see that? Can you picture that in your mind? You know, here comes the enemy. He wants to accuse us because he's the accuser of the brethren. But here comes Jesus, you know, and he comes up into that courtroom and he gives the guy a big, big block. And that guy stands aside. There's no condemnation. I don't feel the guilt anymore. In Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Through the word. When I take the word of God and I fill my mind with it, it washes my mind. What Jesus once spoke to his his, disciples 12 disciples and he said this you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you the late Billy Graham great evangelist of the 20th century said this the very practice of reading the Bible have purifying effect upon your heart and mind let nothing take the place of this daily exercise Number three, how the Bible changes us, it activates my faith. Faith is word activated. It's activated by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Here's another, this is an interesting uh, translation. It says this of the same scripture. It says, belief you see, can only come from hearing the message, and the message is the word of Christ. Activated faith, you see, can only come from hearing the message of Christ. Faith is the gift of God. So the air is the gift of God. Uh, You breathe it in. The breakfast you had this morning it was a gift of God. You worked hard for it, but it was a gift of God. He, whatever you want to follow it back, it was a gift of God. But you eat it, don't you? Water, you drink on a, you know, you know we had a lot of water yesterday here fall on us, but we drink water, don't we? We drink it, we drink it. So how do you, you accept the word of God, the word of Christ? It's not by feeling. I've run into so many people that said, I'm just not feeling it. Well, it doesn't come by feeling. It comes by faith. Hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. 
Well, you say, it's not for me to sit down and wait for faith to come upon me. Well, it should be as you read the Bible. You say, well, I have to have a strong feeling. Oh, maybe you won't. Maybe you won't this day. But faith comes when we take God at his word. We believe it is the word of God. It's true. We read it. We study it. We meditate. We do all those uh, devotional things. We can do them. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next five more weeks in, uh, on Wednesday night is ta- talking about and studying about the de- and talking together about the devotional ways of reading the Bible. That's Wednesday evening at 6.30, 6 o'clock if you want pizza. <laughs> Faith is activated. That's just a little commercial, come on. <laughs> Faith is activated, then the feelings come. So it's faith or truth, the truth of the word of God, and then the feelings. And then the excitement might come. And then the repentance might come. Then you might need to deal with your heart, but that's a good thing. Just remember this, our faith is activated by the word of God, not by the way you feel. Now, there's a difference between the Bible and some of the self-help books we find out there. You know, there's a pile of them. I just went on the, uh, the, I guess it was Amazon, and I saw how many there were. And a lot of them are dealing with fee- emotion, emotional, emotional stuff and feelings. And, and uh, they tell us some really good things, you know. They tell us some right things to do. Lots on worry and anxiety today. They can tell you the right thing to do, but they can't give you the power to do it. I'm sorry, they can't give you the power to do it. They can tell you the right thing to do, but they can't give you the power to do it because they aren't alive. They're not living. They're not God-breathed, as the scripture says. And this is what activates our faith. Heard a story about a building burning down in New York City. And out on that building, there's a blind girl sitting out on the ledge of a fourth floor window. And the firemen had become very desperate and very worried because their dilemma was they couldn't fit the ladder truck between the buildings. So they couldn't climb up there and get her. Um, So they put a net down. But because she wouldn't, couldn't see the net, she wouldn't jump. Finally, her father arrived. He grabbed the megaphone from the fireman, and he started talking to the girl, and he told her that there was a net and that she was to jump on his command. And the girl jumped, and she was so completely relaxed. She didn't break a bone. She didn't strain a muscle, and she went the full four stories down into the net because she trusted the words of her father completely. When she heard her father's voice, she did what he said was best. Her her faith and trust was activated by the words of her father. She trusted and she jumped even when she couldn't see. Many times we can't see. God wants us to proceed by faith. Life comes at us, problems, circumstances, troubles, dilemmas, fear, and we can't see. It's just just masked over by all that stuff. The Father says, jump. Go ahead and jump. I got you. The word of God tells us that. Faith activates, gets activated by the word. Number four, how the Bible changes us. It stimulates my growth. In Acts 20, 
Paul is writing to the Christians in Ephesus. He's telling them that he's going to be leaving and he won't be back. And, you know, he, he founded the church. They, they, he was their guy, so to speak. And he says this to them, I commit you to God and to his word of his grace. The word of his unmerited favor. I'm committing you to this word. See, that's stimulating growth, isn't it? The word of God can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those, it says, who are sanctified. It goes on to say, he says, by the word of God and to God and to the word of his grace and that he will give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. I commit you to this, he said. What does this mean, give you an inheritance? Well, that's what you get from being part of a family, isn't it? Now, suppose this for a moment. Suppose your dad was Elon Musk, richest man in the world, right? 250 billion. That's a billion is a thousand million, by the way. It just, that makes it astronomical in my mind when you say it that way. Um, but so, let's say you're his kid. He writes a will and then he dies. But you never take the time to read the will. You know, it never gets probated or whatever they do. And that, that would be really crazy, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't really be getting right, rightfully what was yours. What you would benefit by. What belongs to you as a child of Elon Musk. See, when we become a follower of Jesus, you receive him into your life. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your chief executive officer. You, you believe, you trust him, you belong to part of God's family. You get the family privileges. You get the family responsibilities and you get the family privileges. You have an inheritance, the Bible says. By the way, God is so much richer than Elon Musk. Just have to say that. So what if you went your whole life not knowing the power and the opportunities, the blessings that are in this word for you as a child of God? never taking the time to find out what they are, never knowing your inheritance, what it is, and that it's yours. Remember last week, uh, Pastor Nelson talked about this. He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work might be equipped for your inheritance, which is not only heaven, but it's every good work here on earth. Equipped means that you have all you need. You've got everything you need to take on life. And God gets you ready for that. He's given us the Bible. He gives you the Bible get, to get you ready for his purposes. And the Bible does four things. He, he said here in the scripture, teaching, Teaching is God's showing me the path. He's showing me the road to walk on or to drive on, if you want to put it that way. I know I have a relative that every time I visit him, um, he'd say, and, and then we were leaving, he'd say, uh, have a great trip. But remember, every road has two ditches, so keep your eye on the center line, right? Well, that's okay, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, but it is, and it seems silly in a way maybe, but, it, but it's true. That's what life is, right? That's why we need teaching. Rebuking. Rebuking is I went off the path, I'm now in the ditch. And you say, well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Well, it should be obvious that you go off, the di off into the ditch, but in this world, the truths of the Bible are muddied by the influences of society and culture. So people don't know they're off in the ditch because it's muddied. The, the Proverbs, book of Proverbs says this, truth has fallen in the streets. It's not elevated. It's fallen in the streets. 
You know, I hear this saying often, it says, I'm just living out my truth. That's a quaint saying, isn't it? Just living out my truth. Well, where is your truth coming from? Where is your truth coming from? See, when you meditate and soak your mind in the word of God, uh, and remember now, it's God-breathed, you see a different perspective. You get a different view. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He just turns the light on. He just turns it on and he gives direction to our lives. A lamp is for our feet to walk so we don't stumble. The other day, you know, it's got darker in the house, you know, it's not the, we don't have the long evenings anymore and, anymore and I was looking for my slippers. <laughs> I looked everywhere for them. Isn't this just like a guy, right? <laughs> Right, so guess who I asked? If they'd seen them, my wife. Have you seen my slippers? I, there's some, and I can't find them. Of course, guess who found them? My wife found them. I have to say, she found them in the morning. I think it was the morning. Anyway, she found them. I looked everywhere for them, but the lamp, the light, a candle, it was back then. Lights our way. We can find our slippers or we can walk and not trip. That's more important. You know, we have these flashlights on our phones, right? Everyone has that now, right? I'm, there's no, maybe there's the odd flip phone still around. I don't know. They didn't have a flashlight on them. I don't think they did anyway. So they have a flashlight on the phone. They have that app. And it gives us enough light for, you know, you're working on something under the car and, uh-oh, didn't, didn't think I need a flashlight, pull out the app, the, the phone. But isn't it interesting what, what light does is uh, it only, you only get enough light uh, to just take another step. And you've got to take another step. And the only way to take another step is to get more light. That's the way the Bible works, in your growth. Well, couldn't God just light up the, the path for my whole life? You know what I'd like? I'd like to erect stadium lights. Stadium lights, Lord, that I could, could help me to see the next 20 years of my journey. Wouldn't that be great? No, it, it wouldn't be great. You can handle that. Take the step and the light will be there. That's what we do in the journey. So to turn, to, to turn the light on, maybe we pray prayers related to God's word, related to the Bible. Uh, in fact, there is our memory verse for this week that says this, Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Let's try it. Say it together. You say, you, we'll say the verse and first, what we have to do is we have to say the, the uh, address for the verse. So let's, uh, let's do it together. Uh, it's up there, guys? It's up there. Okay. Psalm 118. Let's say Psalm 118. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Psalm 119, 18. Yeah, oh, we say the reference after too, right? Okay, let's try once more. One, two, three. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. 
Psalm 119.18. Number six. The word of God elevates my mood. Do you think some of us sometimes need a mood elevator? Yeah, my, my wife does, right? <laughs> but picture it, picture it, not that, but picture a mood elevator. I got, I got thinking about this, a mood elevator. Actually, you walk into, what a great invention, you walk into the elevator and you push the button and immediately your mood is elevated. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be a great thing to get over at the reach as, a, as one of the, you know, like with the bouncers and stuff? That would be neat, wouldn't it? What if you could actually build one? But uh, we got something far better than that. God gave us the Bible to encourage us. It's a mood elevator. Romans 15, 4 says, everything that was written in the past, he's talk, and he's talking about the Bible here, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's four words in there. If you're, if you're taking your notes here this morning, circle them if you want, underline them, put a star beside them, whatever you want to do. It's, it's every, there's everything, there's encouragement, there's scriptures, and there's hope. Those are really important words. It's for our encouragement and hope. Everything in scripture is for my encourage, encouragement and hope. You say, well, everything? Yes, everything. For your support, for your fortitude, for reassurance, for encouragement. The word of God is meant to be a mood elevator. Now, sometimes it may, you may read it and it says, well, right away, it doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's going to help my mood because I, I really, you know, I'm searching my heart here now and I got to change some things. But it is a mood elevator because you change things. You follow the word. Even the hard things are there is what I'm saying. Think about it. Think about this, the next time you get discouraged, the next time you feel worn out physically, mentally, emotionally, you're out of energy, you're done. Rather than take your normal stopgap, what's your normal stopgap? What do you want, to, what do you do? Um, click, turn on the TV, right? Get some carbs, candy or chips, right? Why don't you try reading the Bible? Why not getting some encouragement from the Bible? This is a little practice that might help, but it, you know, um, it, it really might. It will elevate your mood. So each of us need to spend a little bit of time alone with God. That's what we're, we're kind of learning in this, and, and many of us already know it, and we're encouraged to continue that uh, uh, we need that quiet time. Take some time to talk to him, read his word, and listen, even to the hard parts. See, this weekend table groups coming up on Wednesday night, and if you're not part of one, you can get to become part of one even this morning by registering. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, but Pastor Rick will be teaching in, on the video about four essentials for a quiet time. Maybe you're having trouble getting that established, you know, whatever. Uh, it's going to be, and the discussion around the table is going to be based around that. So that's going to be a good night. See, the word of God is meant to give us hope. Psalm 119, 14 says, you're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for you, your word to renew me. The word of God is meant to renew you, to renew me, to encourage me. It's meant to give us hope. Like that guy with the guitar. He needed hope, didn't he? He kind of got himself all messed up. And number, number seven, it liberates my potential. It elevates my mood. It liberates my potential. You know that's important because God really only knows your potential fully. Only he knows it fully. There's a scripture, a story in the Bible 
that it's really impacted me over the years. And it's about Gideon. And Gideon, his country was overrun by enemies, destroyed, really, the crops gone, animals slaughtered. And then the guys, the, the enemy came in and put tents down on the land and just took possession. And here he is in this wine press, place where they pressed out grapes to make wine, and he's threshing grain in there by hand just to get enough for his family because he, you know, and he had to hide in there because they'd come and take that grain too. And you know, you know the rest of the story? I've done a lot more, but he, the angel of the Lord comes and found him and said to him, God is with you, O mighty warrior. That was the word of God for him. Gideon doubted. He had questions like any of us would. He had loneliness. He had anger. He had disappointment. He lost hope. He had anxiety. But Gideon found his potential. That's a potential statement. God is with you, O mighty warrior. Do you know the potential that you're capable of? Potential that you're capable of amidst your struggles and your circumstances and your problems and what's going on in the world and those headlines and all of that stuff that keeps battering us. Do you know that you have great potential in God and you can find it out through the word of God? He knows the impact that your life can make where you are. And only he can set that potential free because he's got the truth. It's in his word. He's given it to us. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what are your wine presses in your life that's holding you in, that's boxing you in, and you're just kind of feebly trying to get enough grain for your family? What is it? Fear, depression, lost hope, and you sealed yourself up. John 8, 31, 32 says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets us free, yes. It will unlock you. You know, I've seen people over and over again in people's church have that happen. I've seen them set free because they took the word of God to heart. I think it's, it was happening, even starting to happen last Wednesday night. We've got a fresh recreation there. Uh, you know, the word of God in a, in a, in a great uh, uh, element of people around it. It was, it was wonderful, wasn't it? So how the Bible changes us. It changes us. It recreates my life. It eradicates my guilt. It activates my faith. It stimulates my growth. It illuminates my mind. It elevates my mood. And it liberates my potential. And it says, if you continue in my word, let's continue in his word. 40 days in the word, in the weeks ahead. Well, we'll find these things. And this is what we'll find. I'm going to leave you with three things that we're going to find. Three benefits that you're going to find of the Bible changing, changing us are I learn it. That's how we get it. I learn it. That's what we're doing. We're, gonna, we're learning it. Jesus said in Mark 12, 24, your trouble is you don't know the scriptures. He said that to the most religious, scripture-knowing people of his time, the Pharisees. And it was, their, it was up to their response. 
Jesus was, was a problem to them and they, they rejected him. They missed the Messiah, yet they knew the scriptures. But they hadn't learned the scriptures. There were 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that talked about Jesus coming and they missed him because they responded wrongly. You know, our problem really is, is how we respond. That's what it is. That's the problem that we run into is how we respond. So we learn the scripture. We keep it close by in our living and learning and living daily. So I learn the word of God. Number two, I accept the word of God. I accept its authority. God, you are my Lord, so your word is my authority, my guidebook for my life. I accept its authority. Yeah, there's things in the Bible that maybe you don't like that are inconvenient, words you wish God had not said, hard words. But we have to come to that place of acceptance. This is going to be the guidebook for my life. It may not be popular. It may not be politically correct. It may not be in agreement with culture. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard sometimes. But it, it may seem impractical. It may seem unreasonable. It may seem contrary to reason. It may even seem absurd when you put it up against culture. What the, what the world is saying. But we accept it. We accept the word of God. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as, as it is, actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. So is it true? Did Jesus say, now that you know these things, you will be blessed because you know these things? Did Jesus say, now that you know these things, you will be blessed because you've written them down carefully into your journal? Did Jesus say, now that you know these things, you will be blessed because you, you can consider yourself among the elite? No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To the disciples in the upper room, you know, just before Jesus went to the cross, after three, day, three years walking with him and learning, there's the word of God walking with us and they're learning this, all this stuff. How did they get these beliefs? Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's what he said to them. Act on the word of God. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's what James 1.22 says. So we stand together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. For the Bible, we are blessed by your word and we're blessed to have your word. It's your will that your word is the authority of all our life. We heard this morning how the Bible changes us, that your word is a lamp unto your, our feet and a light unto our path. And that we only get more light and see more of the path as we take the next step. Lord, in these 40 days in the word, there's going to be many next steps. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn it, to know the scriptures a little more each day as I meet you in a quiet time. Help me to accept your word as my authority. There are so many philosophies in this life Prides pressing in to my life, things that are wanting to rule me. 
but your word must be my authority. Help me to act on it. More than just hearing, but doing your word. Lord, give me, give us the courage when we see many opportunities in our broken world. Give us the courage to help others. Help them know you. Give them a word of encouragement. Change us, Lord, through your word that we might love others and help others to find you and find your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if there's someone here this morning, you, you don't know Jesus, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you could pray along with me this prayer. You could take this prayer into your mind and pray it today. First of all, to believe that God loves you for his purposes and made you for his purposes. Secondly, to receive him into your life by letting him become your Lord. Whoever accepts and trusts Jesus with their life completely and forever will know him. So pray this, dear God, I believe you and I receive you. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and help me to learn your word. Help me to change, help me to grow. Help me to know you and to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.